0: Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon is preached on November 7th, 2021 on the basis of Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. We're going to start this, uh, this morning's sermon with just a, a little tiny uh, Bible history lesson. You might have to think back to, to your days when you were in, in uh, Christ, when you're going through Christlight or Sunday school to, to think through some of these things. Um, and here's why we're going to start with a little Bible history lesson. Um, because I, I've found that one of the least known parts of the Bible, um, maybe a better way to say it is one of the least known time periods of, of Bible history is the time period of the exile and the time period just following the exile. When we talk about the Bible, people tend to know the beginning. They know Adam and Eve, they know Noah, they know Abraham, they know Moses, etc. And then people tend to know some of the stories of the Gospels, the, the, the stories of, from Jesus' life. But from the time period of King Solomon to the time period of Jesus, there there seems to be a gap sometimes there in knowledge of a time period that's just a little less known. So we're going to take a little time to to build some context to to remember and remind ourselves or maybe learn for the first time what was going on in that that time period. Because it was during that time period that the the nation of, of Israel split into two different kingdoms. So, so before the time of, of King Solomon, or, or just after the time of King Solomon, I should say, that there was three kings in the United Kingdom of, of Israel. There was Saul. He was the first king. Then there was David. We, we know David. He wrote a lot of psalms, right? And then there was David's son, Solomon. Uh, Israel experienced a lot of prosperity during that time. But it was after the death of King Solomon that the nation of Israel split into two. There was the northern kingdom, which was known as Israel, and then there was the southern kingdom, which was known as, as Judah. Both of these kingdoms had a, a lot of different kings, but the, those kings weren't what we would call uh, God-fearing, for the most part. There were a few good kings uh, mixed in there. You might recognize names like Hezekiah, or, or Josiah, uh, names like that. Uh, but by and large, the, the kings of, of Israel and the kings of Judah were wicked kings that, that even encouraged the worship of false gods. By constructing these places, if you're reading through the Bible, they'll, they'll be re- referred to as high places. They constructed these places to worship these false gods. And, and this, this went on for quite a bit of time. Long enough that that if you're reading through this or if you're hearing a history of this, you might think, where is God's justice in all of this? Why would he let this go on for so long? However, we shouldn't mistake God's patience for a lack of, of justice. God was being patient with his people. He sent to his people prophet after prophet after prophet to try to urge them to, to turn back to him, to turn away from their sinful practices, to repent and to worship the, the one and only God. He, he did this consistently for many years. He sent people like Elijah and Elisha and, and all of the minor pro- a lot of the minor prophets that we have in the Bible. He sent these prophets to the people to urge them to repent and stop their, their sinful practices. And he did this for many years. For the northern kingdom... He was patient with them for over 200 years, urging them to repent. For for the southern kingdom of Judah, it was nearly 400 years that God was patient with them, urging them to repent. But they did not repent. This kind of sin and this kind of rebellion could not stand in the presence of a holy God. The, The punishment that God had promised to the people and had threatened on the people, they weren't empty threats. And so when the people of of Israel and when the the people of Judah failed to repent, when they kept worshipping false gods, and they didn't turn back to worshipping the one true God, God delivered his justice on the people. The northern kingdom of Judah was destroyed by a brutal Assyrian army in 722 B.C., and they were carried off into exile. The, the people in Israel were taken and scattered around the Assyrian Empire. The, the southern kingdom of Judah was destroyed in 586 B.C. by the Babylonian army who, who took them and brought them into, into exile as well. On top of that, the city of Jerusalem was completely destroyed. The walls were torn down. The temple was burned and completely completely decimated. No stone was on top of of another. This whole thing was, the whole city was destroyed. And so God's justice was finally delivered onto the the people. And his justice would have long-reaching effects. The people would be in exile for a bunch of years, 70 years in all, for for the kingdom of of Judah, that is. For for the, the kingdom of Israel, they were in exile for quite a bit longer period of time until God allowed the Persian Empire to rise up, defeat the Babylonians, and God even worked through the evil Persian Empire to bring his people back to their ancestors' land, to bring the people back from exile in Babylon, and now Persia, to Israel, to Jerusalem, where they would rebuild some of the walls, they would rebuild the the temple. And that is the setting of Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, and it was the last one written before Jesus would come. For 400 years, there would be no other words besides that of of Malachi. No other words from God besides Malachi, which was was in the 400s, about 100 years after the Israelites had re-inhabited Israel. So this time period when, when they're coming back from exile and they're re-inhabiting Israel, you can kind of think about what the, what the feelings might have been of the people at that time. They finally get to go back to their homeland. And so there was this sense of, of joyfulness and, and hopefulness that maybe this time would be different. Maybe they wouldn't fall into the same sins as their, their ancestors had. Maybe things would go better for them this time. Maybe they could rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, which they did. Maybe they could rebuild the temple, which they did. But maybe Jerusalem even would would be restored to the former grandeur that that it it once was. Really, for the people coming back from exile, this was a time of of endless possibilities for them. Yet Malachi, written a hundred years after the return of the Israelites, lays out that uh, perhaps this wasn't quite the fresh start that everybody thought it was going to be. Uh, things didn't really get uh, better for the, for the Israelites as they, they came back from exile. Because surprisingly, uh, this thing called sin, it still existed there. The people were still sinful and rebellion still lived in their heart. And so Malachi lays out uh, kind of the state of the people at that time. People were divorcing each other like it was nobody's business. They, they were divorcing for little to no reason. Uh, the priests were corrupt. People were bringing defective sacrifices to God. They were bringing animals that, that weren't the, the best uh, of, of what they had. They were bringing animals that were sickly. They were ill. They were, they were blind. They had some deformity. The people's sin continued. Their rebellion against God Continued, and unbelief still hung around. Um, in fact, unbelievers did pretty well for themselves at that time, much to the frustration of the believers. Uh, the believers of the day, the faithful of the day, they they complained to God. Why does it seem like the unbelievers are prosperous and we are not? In Malachi two seventeen, a few ver- a few chapters before ours for today, um, the prophet says this: "You have wearied the Lord with your words." How have we wearied him, you asked? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? There's the question. Where is the God of justice? Where is his justice in this? They're looking out at the world around them and they say, why are the wicked people prospering while we are, are not? Why are they seemingly blessed while we are Not. You can imagine how some of those questions aren't just Old Testament questions. Those questions are 21st century questions as well. Faithful followers of of Jesus who who come to to worship regularly, who who attend Bible class and spend personal time in in the Word, who, who give of their money and of their time to the church, might see their unbelieving neighbor and see that they're pretty prosperous. In fact, they're more blessed than, than I am. They seem to get all the breaks, and things always seem to go their way. How is that fair? How, how is that the just thing? Where they continue to live in unbelief, yet they receive blessing, and the believer lives in faith, but, but seems to at least receive less of a blessing, if not also, pain, and and suffering. And that frustration can lead us to some pretty sinful places because it did for the people of Malachi's day. They were left with that frustration and that frustration gave root to this statement. They said, it is futile to serve the Lord. Basically, they were saying, what's the point? What's the point of serving God if I'm not going to get anything out of it? What have I gained from serving the Lord? And you can see how maybe it would be easy to slip into that kind of of thinking. Why should I serve God if I don't get anything out of this relationship? Now, Now, maybe we'd never say it that openly or that crassly, but our hearts have certainly broached that question. And frankly... It would be a valid question if this life was all there was. But as Malachi says in, in, in chapter 4, verse 1, the, the first verse of our reading for today, he says, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or branch will be left to them. These words give a little perspective. This life is not all there is. This world will not last forever. Jesus will come back to judge the living and the dead, and then you and I will have an answer to our question where is the God of justice? Because the perfectly just God cannot leave sin unpunished. It's impossible, He can't. His justice cannot be perfect. If it leaves sin unpunished, so sin in the eyes of God must be punished. And so a day is coming when wickedness and evil and arrogance will be punished. Where those who are evil and arrogant will be reduced to stubble. That's like the useless part of grain that is like a kind of a fine dust. And when it's thrown into the fire, it disintegrates almost immediately. He says, the time is coming when they will be set on fire and they will burn like a furnace. Uh, in my house when I was growing up, we had this wood-burning stove in the, in the basement. We, we loved our basement uh, during the wintertime especially because that wood-burning stove, it, it kind of looked like a, a fireplace down there. It kept the, the downstairs really nice and, and warm. And in fact, it would, it would produce enough heat that it could heat the, the rest of the house to at least assist in, in heating the rest of the house. Um, and when that thing would get going, it, it would really get going. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be really nice and toasty down there. When you'd open up the doors to throw a, another log in, sometimes I'd have to, to reach my arm out as part, about as far as I can go, like shield my face a little bit and really throw that thing in quick because my hand hurt from the heat, my face was hurting from, from the heat. That, that was a hot, hot fire, well, which is the picture he's giving us here the day is coming and it will burn like a furnace. The unbeliever has it pretty good right now, perhaps. Maybe things are going really well and they're really prosperous, but the day is coming when the evil and the arrogant will be set on fire. The day is coming when God's justice will be delivered. And so we'll have an answer to the question, where is the God of justice? However, we might ask that question Where is the God of justice when we see wickedness and evil around us? When people do wicked things to us or evil things to us or we are dealing with somebody who has a certain amount of arrogance, we may ask the question, where is the God of justice? But we likely don't like to ask that same question when wickedness and evil and arrogance resides in my own heart. I don't want to hear about God's justice when I recognize that I have wickedness and evil and arrogance in my own heart. I don't want to think about the possibility of an eternity in flames or being reduced to stubble. That thought is terrifying. But that's what our sins deserved. That's what you and I deserved. We deserve to be set on fire. We deserve an eternity in flames. We deserve to be reduced to stubble for what our sins have done. If God is perfectly just, he cannot leave sin unpunished, including yours and mine. And so we're thankful for verse 2. We're thankful for verse 2 of Malachi, where he says this, But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Those words tell us that the believer has a different view of judgment day than the unbeliever because for the believer there has already been a judgment day of sorts. There has been a judgment day of sorts because Jesus has come and suffered and died on the cross for Our sins. It was on the cross that God's justice was unleashed in in its totality on Jesus for your sins, my sins, for your rebellion and my rebellion, for all of our wickedness, all of our evil, all of our arrogance. Jesus took God's justice for us. And when we say that, when we say that, that Jesus took God's justice for us, we're saying that he took the judgment that that we deserved. Let me say that again. He already took the judgment we deserved. So so Good Friday, in a way, was was our judgment day, where where our sins were condemned and, and put to death in Jesus, and where, in its place, we were given life. We were given Jesus, the Son of Righteousness, and that's what he is. Jesus is the son of righteousness, as Malachi lays out. It's kind of a beautiful picture, son, S-U-N. Sun son brings healing in its wings, right? He's talking about the healing rays of Jesus here. That Jesus is bringing spiritual healing to those who are spiritually broken by giving them salvation. That Jesus is bringing healing to the guilt-ridden by giving them forgiveness, That Jesus is is bringing spiritual healing to, to all people and giving righteousness to those who weren't previously righteous. And that's you and that's me. He gave us that righteousness by dying on the cross and by rising from the dead for us so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see sin that deserves punishment. He sees Jesus who already took that punishment for you and instead gave you righteousness. The healing and relief, the salvation, and the forgiveness give a Christian a different perspective on on Judgment Day. When Jesus comes back a second time, the unbeliever will will feel great terror over what their sins have earned them, while the believer will feel an incredible joy. When Jesus comes back one day, the, the, the unbeliever will feel the full weight of God's justice, while the believer will feel the full weight of God's love. Love that, that gives immense joy. Joy that Malachi can't even say it with, without giving a cool picture from it as well. Uh, some of you uh, maybe grew up on a farm or have some connection to a farm. Um, I, I grew up on a little hobby farm. We had some cattle um, on our little hobby farm too. And I can attest to this picture. If you haven't seen this picture before, I I did look it up on YouTube again this week. You can find a picture of this uh, or a video of this on YouTube of uh, of a calf being let free. If a calf is in a confined space for a while, say it's a stall or just like a small uh, pen type area, and then you let that calf out into the pasture, it's got a lot of room to run around, what's it going to do? It's going to run, it's going to jump, it's going to buck, it's going to be just about as graceful as a cow could ever be running out in this field because it is so filled with joy to be free and let loose and able to move around. And that is the joy that Jesus brings to to the believer um, in the day of judgment. That, That when they see Jesus in that day, they won't be scared, but they'll be joyful and not just any kind of joy, but a running, jumping, and bucking kind of joyful when Jesus comes back. Not terrified over judgment or fire or, or being reduced to stubble, but joyful in Jesus. Joyful in Jesus who, who gave us the, the joy, enduring joy of knowing that, that heaven is, is ours and we need not fear him. Although that, that joy will one day be complete in heaven... And it will. It will be complete in heaven. The promise of eternal life and the forgiveness that, that he has promised to give you brings you that joy right now. You have that, that joy of, of eternal life, that joy of forgiveness, and that joy in small part that will be completed when Jesus comes back and gives eternal life to you and all believers. That, that's a, an enduring joy and a, a real joy. Because Jesus is your your son of righteousness, you will have uh, the joy of a calf being let out of a pen. You will have joy instead of judgment. And we praise Jesus for that. Amen.